0: Earth 2, a world much like our own, yet slightly different. There, young and old have joined forces to battle evil, the newest heroes joining the champions of the Golden Age, presenting Tales of the the Justice Society Society of America. everybody and welcome back to tales of the justice society of america my name is michael bailey
1: and i am scott gardner
0: and we are all business this week because we are presenting sadly the final issue of all-star comics Number 74. It's not the end of this podcast. It's not even the the end of the adventures of this iteration of the Justice Society, as you will see next week.
1: It's the end of the world!
0: As we know it. But you know what? I I feel feel fine. fine. (laughs) But but no, this is a sensational new 25-page epic. And because there is a lot to talk about with the story, and some really awesome ads, and of course the usual hostess fun... Well, we decided we're going to forego emails, we're going to forego introductory ban- banter, and we're just going to dive right into <sighs> this story.
1: Right in. We're not fucking around. Um, before you start, because you just brought it up, okay, look at the cover, right? Yep. See where it says Justice Society? Mm-hmm. All right. Right to the right of the word justice. What does it say?
0: A Sensational new 25-page epic.
1: Okay, look at the price up in the top right-hand corner.
0: 50 cents.
1: What does it say right under it?
0: 44 pages all new.
1: <laughs> they lied.
0: Well, it's 25 pages of story.
1: <laughs> but is it I don't even think with the ads and everything, I don't think it's 44 pages. I think somebody <laughs> screwed up. Because when I sat down to read this last night, I uh, it was really really late. And we had to get up really, really early this morning to get this episode recorded. And I was like, ah, oh, Jesus, 44 pages. And I blew through it in like 20 And I'm like, this isn't 44. And then I realized that there's actually two different cover blurbs on the same cover, one saying 44, one saying 25. And it's like, wow, somebody screwed up somewhere.
0: <laughs> somebody <laughs> messed up big time. Somebody didn't get their bonus is, I guess, what we're saying. So. <laughs> Alrighty, the title of this story is World on the Edge of Ending. It's written by Paul Levitz, with art by Joe Staton and Joe Giello. And the roll call, which they don't give as a traditional roll call, but there is actually a roll call later in the issue, is Hawkman, Power Girl, The Huntress, Sandman, The Flash, Dr. Midnight, Starman, Superman, the Atom, Our Man, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Robin, The Star-Spangled Kid, Johnny Thunder, B. Arthur, Harvey Corman. Marty, sorry, I kind of resisted, I, I was lapsing into <laughs> 70s, uh, 70s intro special announcer voice, I do apologize for this.
1: The Solid Gold Dancers!
0: <laughs> Jamie Farr. Burt Reynolds. Ipsy Russell. Lonnie Anderson. (laughs) We're going to stop, but we're going to spend the entire episode doing that. Yes,
1: we could, actually.
0: All righty. We've got uh, Chapter 1. Features Hawkman and Dr. Fate standing before the Master Summoner, who gives them the whole, listen to me, your world is doomed, there is but one chance, blah, 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 type of speech. Meanwhile, Huntress and Power Girl, in their identities of Helena Wayne and Karen Starr, have lunch and discuss how uneasy Power Girl is in her new secret identity. They get a summons, and before you know it, they join Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, and Dr. Fate at JSA headquarters. Fate explains that he didn't answer the Huntress's summons because he's a big old dick. I mean, because of being called away by the Master Summoner. Basically, the stars are going to be aligned in a particular way, which will create a critical time, only hours long. But during those hours, things could happen, and those things could mean... The end of the world! <laughs> so it is up to the JSA to keep things from going all bloomy during that time. Chapter 2, the team splits into smaller teams in uh, traditional... JSA Manor, Hawkman, Green Lantern, and Power Girl head to the River Amur, or however you pronounce that, I do apologize this, which is the dividing line between the two great giants of Asia, and find the armies of the USSR and the People's Republic of China attempting to destroy each other. Green Lantern dives in to help break up the fight and help a wounded soldier, much to Hawkman's consternation. Because Hawkman's like, we gotta help ourselves before we help them. Power Girl is injured, and Hawkman flies to help her. They ask GL for help, but he's busy attending to one of the wounded soldiers, who apparently needs his help more than Power Girl. There's a bit of a debate about that, with everyone eventually agreeing that helping the innocent soldiers who were seconds before trying to kill each other is more important than helping a teammate. They jump back into the fray and leave after breaking up another fight, not noticing that the soldier that Green Lantern helped is now filled to the brim with raw green energy. Chapter 3. In the independent French-Canadian capital city of Quebec... Fate, Huntress, and Flash keep vigil over the International Women's Convention. Leaving Fate behind until the danger is clearer, Flash and Huntress check out the convention where they discover terrorists holding the convention hostage. Why did they do that? Because they're terrorists. That's why they call them that. Anyways, the Huntress and the Flash leap into action, but it soon becomes clear that they need some backup, which arrives in the form of Dr. Fate and a bunch of giant hawks. After the fight is over, the women that organize the convention is confused, but after Fate does some mumbo-jumbo on her, which I'm sure he does to all the ladies, she realizes that they must have been after the universal translation field they were testing at the convention, but it doesn't work. Fate informs her that it doesn't work now, but soon it shall, but it is only a symptom of the larger problem. And after what is essentially a PEACE... They leave, not knowing that the translator suddenly starts working, but instead of translating it, it causes a a miniature Tower of Babel, as no one can understand each other.
1: This happens in the early issues of the Batman Adventures, by the way. (laughs)
0: I remember you talking about that on your show. Yep. Chapter 4, the Master Summoner summons the jsa to his presence and immediately attacks them, though they do a good job of defending themselves. Flash is understandably confused, but even fate is clueless as to why the Master Summoner is bringing the noise. Hawkman believes that the reason he was summoned is something that he did in his earlier incarnation as Prince Khufu and that could have caused all of this. Fate believes him and frees his teammates before they haul ass out of there. The Summoner muses that by going free, they serve his purpose, for it is their own power that upsets the balance of the universe, which means the power of the JSA means the doom doom of of the Earth. Earth. Chapter (laughs) 5. Hawkman and crew watch the monitor screen, which shows the other members of the JSA fighting against the threats they are inadvertently causing. Fate spurns them on to fight, and fight they do until Fate finally realizes what is going on and calls every single member of the JSA to gather together. Once they are all seated, Fate explains that when, what the Summoner has done, and when Huntress asks Fate what they can do, he tells them to do nothing. And so they do, leading the Summoner to show up and give the whole you beat me this time, Fate, but I'll get you later, and I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kid speech. And thus, the world is saved thanks to the inaction of the Justice Society of America. Yeah.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Whew. Where to begin with this one?
1: Yeah, it doesn't go a long way towards helping the argument of does the existence of superheroes help or hinder the natural progression of the planet and and society and all that. It really, at the end of the story, you're very much left with a, wow, you know, you guys, uh, (laughs) you know, almost brought about the destruction of the earth kind of thing through your, through your actions. And I don't, I'm not comfortable with that message.
0: Yeah. There, there, there's a lot of wonky in this issue. Yeah. it's, It's presented, as being like a bold new direction for the team. And there is a lot of excitement, and I do like the fact that they split into little smaller groups and all came together at the end to fight. But it seems it, it was kind of a mess at the same time. Right. I guess is the best way to say it. I mean, the cover itself, the cover's kind of good. It's it's by Staten and Giordano. I, I would have preferred to have a Staten-Layton cover. On this, I mean, I mean, it looks good. Don't get me wrong; it's it's not an ugly cover by any stretch of the imagination. You have like basically the entirety of the JSA running or flying at the at the reader with this giant gray hand in the background, which is uh, the hand of the Master Summoner. By the way, it says so right there on the cover. But uh, and and you can kind of see where the extra pages went in this issue because there was a nice character moment between Helena and Karen. At the very beginning of the issue. That
1: was my biggest positive note was uh, I loved seeing the beginning uh, of their friendship and their relationship. I thought that that was really awesome, and I think that makes this particular issue.
0: Yeah, and their friendship isn't like the Batgirl-Supergirl friendship of Earth-1. Where those two were just kind of thrown together in the '60s because they're the girl versions of the, of the male heroes, right It's like, well, Superman and Batman are friends. they must be friends. Here you kind of get a sense that Helena is helping Karen kind of adjust to normal life because this, you know this girl, as we're going to reveal in a couple of episodes, you know, she didn't grow up on earth like Clark Kent did, right. She didn't have that socialization early in her life. To allow her to fit, she she she's uncomfortable with herself. She ends up breaking a glass during the lunch because she's you know she's nervous and she's having trouble controlling her strength. And you know it was just a really nice little two page scene. And, and then they get the uh, you know the. You know, the the trouble alert goes off, I guess, for a better sound. It leads to a very kind of thing that you can really take out of context of Helena going, Karen, are you feeling what I'm feeling?
1: Let's go <laughs> back to little... my place and get naked <laughs> and freaky, yeah.
0: As the little things in their purses start buzzing. I mean, it's just, no. Whoa, ah, what? Huh? Oh, hey. <laughs> um...
1: Can I get that to go, please? <laughs>
0: I'll have what she's having. Um, my biggest, <laughs> my biggest note in this issue, big, biggest life. I'd put it up on a fucking billboard if I could. Is you know, for a guy that cuts and runs at a moment's fucking notice, Doctor Fate sure has a nerve calling a meeting. Uh, yeah, I'm glad.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you've got the same note because this is my note right here. You've got Doctor Fate, and I added some dialogue. So this is this is the special edition. <laughs> Doctor Fate says, "I'm glad you uh, came so swiftly in answer to my summons. Seeing as how I didn't even bother to answer yours." But I love that Flash calls him out about it. Yeah, yeah, he totally does. He said, "We've been worried." He's nice about it, but he's letting him know that, uh, "Hey, jackass! You know, yeah, you know, it's funny you yeah. can call all us together, but you know, you don't bother to show up when we call you." <laughs> He does. He he, he totally called him. He said, "We've been worried since uh, you two didn't attend our meeting or answer the Huntress's <laughs> emergency call." Yeah, I love it.
0: Yes, yeah, so one of the younger kids would have would have called them out about it more directly, but Jay's from that era where you just slip in that little guilt trip, right? You know, letting him know, "Hey, hey, pal, I know what's going on. I own you, okay?" Mm-mm-mm-mm. So. <laughs> But Fate is so vague in this, in his description of what's going on. It is given to us to prevent those happenings and save the verdant globe of ours. For if we can merely hold Earth together through the critical time, the danger will be passed, and Earth will be saved for millennia to come. So what's going to happen? Ah, I, I don't fucking know. Doesn't but, but we got to hold it together.
1: <laughs> doesn't it make them seem... I don't know, really gullible or naive or something yes. that they just took yes. this dude at face value. I mean, they don't know this guy, you know, and this guy pulls them out of whatever they were doing to some alien dimension, talks to them through a pyramid and tells them that, oh, yeah, your your world's going to end. in you know, in this time window, go save it. I mean, granted, they can't take the risk that he's not telling them the truth, but it seems just a little weird that they just completely take him at face value and don't even suspect that maybe he's using them or that he has an ulterior motive or something, you know? I, I just don't like the way that that comes off.
0: Uh, kind of interesting that the two communist nations are fighting in this
1: uh, Yeah, I wondered about issue. that, too. Uh,
0: you would think China and the USSR would have a little more in common. But this seems really really weird because you know power world is injured and you know green lantern who apparently is a doctor by the way because he's formed a stethoscope
1: yeah i noticed that too i was like wait since when does he have any sort of medical prowess at all but,
0: but then again he's what?
1: not blind so you know he's got the leg up on dr <laughs> uh, fate or uh, dr midnight right there
0: but i will say this i did like the debate that Hawkman and Green Lantern had about who they need to tend to first. Now, I kind of don't see these soldiers as innocent bystanders in like some kind of big supervillain conflagration. You know, they were seconds before trying to kill each other. So so in that case maybe it should have been, "Hey, maybe I need to look after Power Girl," but you know, Alan Scott's kind of kind of calls Hawkman out on the on the table. He's like, "Look, yeah, we you know, Hawkman's like, "Well, you know, in the old days, we would have taken care of our own first. And Green Lantern's like, "Yeah, but it almost like Green Lantern's saying, "Yeah, but we have superpowers." <laughs> yes, she was injured, but she is nigh invulnerable. So, though it's really weird on page 8 that Hawkman's p- face on that last panel is completely blacked out. <laughs>
1: I know, there needs to be a word balloon saying, dude, you're standing right in my light.
0: <laughs> but but on page nine, um, so their job was to watch for five seconds and then leave. Cause, right. Because <laughs> they go there because something bad's going to happen there, right? And they stop a big fight, and then basically it's just like, well all righty, uh, we, we took care of things around here because uh, nothing possibly could happen between these two armies with all of their weapons and anything <laughs> after we leave. Let's go. The
1: hell. I, I don't know if it was an intentional callback or not, but I, I got a real uh, a, a real similar vibe to between this sequence and the end sequence of All-Star 58 where we first met uh, Power Girl because that was a similar sort of thing, you know, where they went in and fought whatever army that was.
0: I think it was, it was the
1: Chinese army. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought, you know, again, I, I, don't, I don't think it was intentional, but uh, it, it, in a strange sort of way, it is almost a bookend, if you know what I mean.
0: Would have been great if, if Wildcat had been there and one of the soldiers shot him in the head for stealing his bike. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you.
1: <laughs> now, I really like the beginning of Chapter 3, because as one of our listeners wrote to us a while back and pointed out, this is uh, where we learn that there is a significant difference between the Canada of, of our Earth, or Earth mm-hmm. 1, and the Canada of Earth 2, in that uh, Montreal, on this Earth, is the capital city of uh, Quebec, uh, an independent French-Canadian nation. I thought that that was really interesting that they were finally giving us something you know to to distinguish this earth to make it different it wasn't just the heroes that were different that 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 the the earths actually have subtle differences or maybe not so subtle differences i don't want to be insulting to our canadian listeners by uh you know minimizing that um i also got a real kick out of i was looking at this building that they're standing on Uh, Flash and Huntress, and then Dr. Fate is kind of floating in front of it, looking at it and going, Chateau Frontenac. And I kept looking at it going, wow, this looks really familiar to me. But I know, I mean, I've never been to Montreal, but I kept looking at this going, you know, I, I know this place from somewhere. So I did a little bit of looking around. And if you've ever been to the Canadian Pavilion at Epcot, this building is actually replicated there in a forced perspective miniature. It, it appear, When you're in front of it or looking at it from a distance, it, it really looks full size. It looks huge and impressive and all that, but it's one of those forced perspective Hollywood tricks that they use in the recreation. But it is recreated there, and it's uh, it's really cool. It's a very beautiful thing. So if you've ever seen, you know, if you've ever been there, if you've ever seen pictures of it, you know, if you Google... Oh, no, Epcot Canadian Pavilion! You're going to see that building in the back. So I thought that that was really cool.
0: It all comes back to Canada for you, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I mean, uh, Disney World. It does. <laughs> so, um, it seems like a convention like the International Women's Convention would have a better name than just the International Women's Convention.
1: <laughs> hey, it would get me to attend. <laughs>
0: I don't think you would like the women that are there.
1: Well, yeah, this is true. It wouldn't
0: be your your speed, you know. I like the 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 whole unshaven armpit thing a little bit. So, yeah. Ew! I, I'm not gonna go. Uh, not going to go into that too much. So, uh, but right here, e- even though uh, fate had to be humble and ask for help, we find out he's still kind of a bastard because they're like, well, what are we going to do? Well, you guys go in. I'm going to wait here until something
1: happens. Yeah, what, what was that all about? <laughs> and then when he does finally come into to the battle and come in to a- offer some assistance, the best he can do is a bunch of stupid birds. <laughs>
0: Like they would have come and rescued Hawkman, rather than um, ra- rather than this group. But it's but it's it's still an interesting sequence, just the same. I, I don't like the fact that Fate is basically hypnotizing this woman on pages uh, fourteen and fifteen.
1: Well, wouldn't you if you could? No, <laughs> Hip- hypnotize women. What? <laughs> you lie. You would. You know you would. You totally would.
0: Uh, I love the dialogue on page <laughs> He right, just
1: you know, skips right it's over
0: it. Just, it never happened. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love the dialogue when the Tower of Babel thing happens. Gnarsh? Gnore! Milvix? Memrath? <laughs> Gnor, Gnor. <laughs> Isn't that the language that Robin Williams spoke on Mork and Mindy? It <laughs> could be. <laughs> um, general note, really hate the design of the Master Summoner.
1: Oh, dude, no way. You know what he reminds me of? Because I kept looking at him going, wow, this dude reminds me of somebody. And I don't know which character came first, but he reminds me actually of two characters. The first one being the the one that immediately came to mind was the Sphinx over at Marvel Comics. Okay. And I, I would imagine that character probably predates this one, but I don't know that for sure. But also, did you ever play the game Freedom Force?
0: Yes, a little bit.
1: Do you remember the Time Master that you fight at the very end of the game?
0: I never got that far.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah, he totally looks like the Time Master. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, that seemed like a fun game. I just never really got far into it.
1: Oh, it's a great, great. You got to if. Oh, man, you you love this stuff. That that game is like. It's it's like the video game equivalent of. Like '60s Avengers, or even like this era of comics, it, it really is. It's it's just a team full of of superheroes that talk very much in this, you know, this type of '60s '70s dialogue and and over the top villains. And oh, that's that's such a great game.
0: Okay, here's a here's a big question. Page eighteen, the Summoner's got all the JSA members that are there in a big bubble, and Hawkman says, there must be a logic to it. Maybe I was warned because of some role I'm supposed to play in the critical time. Something that my earlier incarnation as Egyptian Prince uh, Kafu caused. And I love Power Girl, because Power Girl mirrored my thoughts. How does that help us? Right. And and Doctor Fate goes. I'm not sure that it does, but it may. For the knowledge in Hawkman's ancestral memory is power, and that and that may be the key to unlock our sorceress prisons. Yes, I think I see. A, how, how the fuck does it? Do, do
1: they explain this? Did I miss something here? No, no, it's not explained at all. It's it's. <sighs> here here's my my thing with this is that um, we we got some feedback recently that uh, I, I felt kind of called us out. Uh, about negativity on these, and and was kind of speculating that that we don't that that we don't love this material or something, despite our our constant assurances that we do. I do love this stuff. I, I love yes. these books. I really enjoy them. I would not be doing this show if I didn't. However, I will admit in this particular instance, this is a tough issue to love because yes. this story's not very good. You know, I'm just gonna to put it right out there. And this is part of the reason why I really don't like stories. And it doesn't matter if it's old comic books or if it's the newest movie. If there's a sudden, vast leap in logic or some weird key that suddenly opens up that you're like, well, where the hell, what What left field did that come out of? It, it just takes me right out of the story. And that's this is totally one of those elements where I, I suspect that it's just a moment where Hawkman's you know, felt useless for quite a while and decides, well, I got to make myself seem more important in this story. So I'm going to come up with some totally wacky shit, you know, because that's really what it feels like. It's like, what, what the hell are you talking about, dude? He says, well, I must have been summoned because what you were summoned because you're on the freaking JSA. This guy (laughs) is using the JSA as his weapon. So that's why he was summoned. It's nothing deeper than that.
0: And you were away from the group as a whole, right? You know, you were off in Egypt doing something. Now, you know, I, I that email kind of wonked me too. I guess is the is a really <laughs> bizarre way. It kind of threw me off because, you know, okay, yes, we could sit here and just gush over this. You know, one of the one of the comparisons was made over to the. Way that uh, Jeffrey Taylor and I do from Crisis to Crisis, where most of the time we're mainly positive about um, that era of Superman that we're discussing. But even in that, if you find something wrong or if you find something that kind of throws you off, you need to talk about it. And and I'm sorry – If Scott and I did a podcast where we were like, this was just such a great issue. God, look at all this awesome stuff. Oh, look, Hawkman did something. I think it would be boring after a while. Yes, You know, most of the time when we're being snarky, we're doing it because that's just our personalities. You know, even if we absolutely love something, we'll poke fun at it because it entertains and amuses
1: us. Right.
0: And some of the time, yes, I'm just trying to make Scott laugh. I, I will totally cop to that where I will just try to try to say something to break him up a little bit. Right. That does not mean that I don't have a deep and unbinding love for the Justice Society of America. You know you know, I love my dog, but when she shits on the carpet, I get kind of pissed off. Right. So
1: <laughs> that's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, so And this issue shit on the carpet. <laughs> Bad JSA! <laughs> Badge, did you do that? Go outside.
0: I'm gonna rub Paul Evans' face in air. <laughs> <way. laughs> I'm not gonna really do that. It's just that's the first thing I'm talking to. Yeah, head. I know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I mean that that's kind of the, it came out of nowhere, and it, and and it seemed to be only there to involve Hawkman in that scene. Like, well, I got to do something with Hawkman. Here, I'll do. This and then it's not really explained, and it kind of left me with a few questions that never get answered. Right. So, um, chapter 5, page 21, that is a really goofy group shot. And I think it was the inker's fault that that came off the way it did with the JSA going into action.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the perspective's a little wonky there. Yeah, something something didn't quite come out right.
0: I mean, the previous page is kind of goofy. That Sandman shot is really weird. It looks like he's in blackface.
1: Well, what's really funny is that, you know, you you, you look at this and it's supposed to be... You know, what it is is you've got half the team monitoring the other half of the team and the menaces that they're facing. Some of the menaces that they're facing are absolutely freaking hysterical. You've got Sandman fighting a bunch of eyeballs. You've got <laughs> the blind guy fighting a bunch of mice. I mean, if that's not some sort of, you know, something three, there... Three that, blind mice. Exactly, yeah. it It cracked me up when I saw that. And then you've got Wonder Woman fighting bumblebees apparently (laughs) what the hell is that all about
0: robin's fighting ghosts superman's fighting lightning
1: he should be saying it tickles (laughs) i mean really the only people on this page that that really look like they're they're being truly tested at you know that that their their metal is being challenged so to speak is uh Starman is fighting Godzilla, and uh, the Star-Spangled Kid and Our Man are fighting um, like an octopus or something. You know, something thought, with a whole lot of tentacles. I, so
0: I, I thought they were fighting hentai tentacle porn. <laughs> is that something that needs to be battled?
1: Again? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs>
0: Always go back to hentai tentacle porn when you're like, hey, maybe this is pushing the limits. No, that pushes the limits. This is okay. <laughs> um, I really was disappointed that instead of getting a really in a book like this, I mean, it's, it's like it's you know, it's right on the cover a sensational new 25 page epic it would have been great to have a beautiful group shot of all of the characters, even <laughs> just doing something as simple as sitting around a table. Right. But no, we get a bunch of little headshots.
1: Speaking of that, you ever get your family together, you know, like say once every few years or something in, and, and, you know, you, you have to have that group photo, the big family picture. And no matter how hard you try to coordinate it, there's always somebody it's usually a kid or somebody who's got their eyes closed or they're picking their nose or they're not <laughs> looking or something. I love this picture cuz you got all these headshots of all the heroes and then there's one dude that's totally not looking where everybody else is looking. I love that. It it what, just the added, Adam? Yeah, he's he's looking off at something that's distracting him. And it just cracked me up when I saw it was like that is so realistic on how family photos usually are. There's always somebody that's not, you know, with the program. I love it. But
0: well, Dr. Midnight's not looking at the camera, but he's blind. So, Oh, that was mean. Blind um,
1: people must hate this, this podcast.
0: You better, that or they're laughing hysterically.
1: Um, well, I'd like to think so, <laughs> but,
0: but really and truly, you know, you know, on the cover, the word epic, we have the, the, the these huge battles with armies and with terrorists and all that stuff. And it all builds up to them sitting around a table doing absolutely nothing. And that's interesting, but that doesn't make for an exciting conclusion to a story.
1: No, it doesn't. And the The fact that the panel, or excuse me, the sequence of them doing absolutely nothing really only consists of two panels. One is... The Huntress looking, whatever dismayed I guess, and then Green Lantern looking. I don't even know how to describe this. He just looks anxious or something. I think this it's it's too short. What this scene really needed was a couple more panels of maybe somebody like Superman. Yeah, having to do nothing. Yeah, getting antsy and being like, Fate, are you absolutely sure this is the right thing? You know, I feel like. I need to be, you know, I need to go into action. I feel like, you know, the the world is in peril and I'm just sitting on my ass, you know, and fate going, no, Superman, I assure you that, you know, inaction is the only way to save our planet. And maybe even like, you know, the chief of police calls on the on the trouble monitor and says, uh, Justice Society, you know, uh, we, you know, we got dinosaurs downtown, please help us. And they're like, you know... We assure you, Chief, you know, we're we're doing what we can. Or, you know, it's just something. It needed something rather than just two panels of them sitting there, and then suddenly the Master Summoner pops up to go, rats! You know, it's like, <laughs> come on, you know?
0: Uh, Yeah, if this scene was done today, you would have had, like, three pages of, like, suddenly everyone starts taking out their Blackberries and their iPhones, and (laughs) someone's tooling around the internet, somebody's playing a Nintendo DS.
1: (laughs) Um, This would have been six issues easy.
0: Yeah. Uh page Oh God, yes. If this if this story was done today, man, it would have been a six ish you're absolutely right. It would have been released into hardcover and then I was just softcover. gonna say
1: you gotta you gotta sell that hardcover. Oh, we are so in sync on this.
0: Oh man <laughs> <laughs> But um th- I my my last question uh for the issue is and it's and it's a legitimate question. I'm not trying to be funny here. On page twenty four it says so desperate are they in fact that they cast their eyes only briefly over the three empty seats at the table. Not even pausing to regret the tragedies which have kept Batman, the Spectre, and Wildcats from their midst. Now I know Wildcat's on the mend. Right. So that makes sense that he wouldn't be there. Though I think he would at least show up for like the meeting. You know, he may not be able to do anything, but he probably, you know, it's Ted Grant strikes me as the guy that wants to at least be there. And Batman's not there because of the death of his wife. Right. That's what led him to stop being Batman. What the fuck is up with the Spectre?
1: I had the exact same note. I, my note was just simply what tragedy kept the Spectre away. I didn't know. I, I was totally thrown by that as well. However, in the letters page, um, I'm not sure if I could find it again here on a quick glance, but I did make note that somewhere on that page, it stated that the Spectre um, had disappeared. Here it is. It's, uh, let's see, one, two, th- third paragraph from the bottom um, at the end. It says, four members were no longer listed on the active role. The Spectre, who has seemingly vanished. Batman, who has formerly retired, and then blah, blah, blah. And it goes on. It was answering somebody's question about um, they were calling the writer out about uh, I think you miscounted JSA members or something to that effect. So when I saw this, that that's the best answer I could find was that the Spectre just they, – they don't know where he is at this point, which is kind of interesting.
0: Had disappeared into uh... – into Michael Fleischer and Jim Aparo land, I
1: guess, at this point. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. Still need to pick up those Wrath of Specter issues at some point.
1: Yeah, I read that, number one. It uh, was good? Yeah, it was really, really good. I had totally forgotten that I talked about that last episode, because I, I, you had said something to me uh, off the air yesterday about going to the comic shop, and, and I went into a whole thing about oh yeah, I found this issue of Wrath of and I went into the whole thing, and then later in the day, you sent me uh, last week's episode of, of this show, and I started listening to it, and I was like, I totally talked about that during the show. I've, I'd forgotten all about that. So you you need to be more like my wife and call me out and be like, uh, yeah, yeah, you told me that already. Shut up.
0: you know. I, I, I do the same thing. I can't, I barely <laughs> remember what I said, much less what other people say. <laughs> but, um, you know, for for being the last issue of All-Star Comics, it's kind of a thud.
1: It is. Well, you know, much like uh, that last burn issue of Hulk that we talked about over on Back to the Bins, you know, this was never intended to be the last issue. So you've got to kind of cut it a little bit of slack on that end. And it's not the end of the story because, you know, within a short while later, this would be picked up and continued in Adventure Comics. So it'll be interesting to see how Adventure Comics ends. Because I honestly don't remember at this point. And it actually, that,
0: uh-huh. to my memory, it ends very well.
1: Oh, good, good. I was hoping it went out on a high note. Because yeah, it is disappointing when when you're following something and you're really loving it and you're really digging it, and the clunker issue is the last issue or something like that. And and unfortunately, I, I'm I just I have to say it. This is a clunker issue. the The only part of this issue that I really dug that I really thought was great is the uh the opening pages 2 and 3 with the uh uh Helena Wayne and Karen Starr moment I thought that was awesome I and it's funny that you say that you you didn't think it was like you know that you thought it was different from the Batgirl Supergirl relationship because that's exactly the vibe I got off of it was okay. that this, we were seeing the parallel of that but I, but you're right I like that this isn't forced this isn't simply just the kid partners being thrown together because they have to be, get along and be friends because Superman and Batman are such chums. This is them finding each other and, and being yeah. friends because they like each other and they want to be friends. I, I, so it's much more organic friendship and much more uh, realistic friendship, I guess you could say. But yeah, I, I really dig that. I really like that because I always liked their relationship and their friendship just the same way that I liked... Batgirl's and Supergirl's friendship, forced or not, because that sequence during the crisis of Batgirl and Supergirl, I always really liked that. For some reason, that was one of the sequences in that storyline that always jumped out at me was when they realized that, you know, the, the world might be ending and we just got some nice friendship moments between the two of them. I, I, I'm a sucker for stuff like that, so I really.
0: Oh, 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 so am I. I was. I wasn't saying that one was better than the other. I was just noting the differences oh, no, of why they became friends.
1: Right. No, and, and you're right. You're absolutely right in that. You know, they they were thrown together in the Earth One continuity, um, whereas in this, I, I don't feel like they're thrown together at all. I think that they. They chose to be friends, and I like that much better. I think it, it feels much more organic.
0: But uh, I actually feel like we've reached a milestone, though. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we we went through all you know the you know from fifty eight to seventy four with a couple stops along the way. So
1: right.
0: it's like the first chapter of this podcast is coming to a close. I
1: know it's kind of a bittersweet feeling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
0: But no, but we got so much more exciting. Oh stuff yeah, to come up we've got a whole you know. The, the rest of the JSA adventures in adventure comics. We've got a bunch of different Earth 2 appearances that we still haven't figured out how we're going to cover.
1: <laughs> you know what cracks me up is we continually get email and feedback asking us, you know, what, what's going to happen next? You know, are, are, are you going to do this? Gonna, and I feel like there's great nervousness out there. Like we're going <laughs> to just go, well, that's it. We're done. You know, and I, I, I want to reiterate, and I feel like we beat this like a dead horse but but apparently we haven't because people keep asking us so i want to assure people mike and i are digging the hell out of this show we're having a blast doing this and uh we're not going anywhere i mean we've got a lot of shit to cover i mean we're we're having a blast and gonna continue forward so you know look forward to adventure comics we're gonna have a few like mike said a few stops along the way to cover some other peripheral stuff and, uh, and not too far down the road, we're going to get into um, one of both you know Mike's and I's uh, favorite series of all time, All-Star Squadron. I can't wait, man. I loved All-Star Squadron. Plus, I, I'm, you know, I know that you have different feelings about it, but I'm a big fan of Infinity, Inc., and I can't wait to get it.
0: I like Infinity, Inc. I just think that after the crisis, it kind of fell apart.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I disagree with that. I think that I think that it was a hell of a bumpier, hell of a more bumpier road after Crisis because maybe we should save this for further down the road. But uh, I feel like uh, his, the, I'm trying to remember who the writer was at the time. Maybe it was still Thomas. I can't remember. Yeah,
0: Roy Thomas wrote yeah. all of Infinity. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. I thought he did, but I wasn't. I wanted to be sure. Um, I think his resolutions and, and his smoothing out of the post crisis stuff for infinity Inc. was the least smooth of all the smoothing he had to do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there, yeah. Cause there's, there's actually some issues where his resolution was, okay, I'll just hypnotize this person. So they don't remember the pre-crisis continuity. I mean, that literally happened. And I, I call silliness on that, but despite that, I still think it's a solid, uh, solid run from start to finish. I still dug the hell out of it, but uh, but anyway, that's for way on down the road.
0: But until then, we've got the the usual ads, <gasps> which which aren't all that good at first. I mean, you know, you got your usual, you know, join SLC for super prizes or cash. You know, basically getting kids in on a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the meat tooth. Uh,
1: Slim Jim ad, the grit ad. <laughs> <laughs> remember how many times you felt out because you felt left out because you were broke? Yeah, like yesterday. Yeah, I remember that.
0: <laughs> um, we've got um, Hostess uh, baseball card ad, uh, but then we get a publishorial from Jeanette Kahn talking about the uh, the change in formats in the books that they're going from, you know. From 17-page stories to bigger stories and, you know, the dollar comics and everything. And this is basically the start of the DC explosion, where DC started putting out a slew of new books and of new backup features, all of which unfortunately came to a screeching halt. So it's kind of interesting reading that I love those types of things.
1: You know, I didn't read this, but just skimming it real quick as you're talking about it, I think two questions from last episode just got answered. Is remember there was that dude that we could not remember what the hell his name was and I kept struggling for it.
0: Okay. There's yeah, a the... character
1: mentioned here the odd man. I wonder yeah, if that's that, is what is. that is him.
0: That is him. Now that I think about it, yes.
1: And then there was that chick that I thought kind of looked like Wonder Woman. And you said that you thought it looked like Donna Troy in a toga. And it says another new experimental thing coming along would be a series called The Amazons. And I'm wondering if that is who that woman was, was a character from The Amazons. But I don't remember that ever coming down the road. But then...
0: And there was a different one from Marvel and DC. Holy taste buds. It's the famous Clark bar, superhero, sweeps, sweepstakes. Yeah. And you open it up and there's this really nice Neil Adams. I'm assuming. Yes. Uh, picture with the super friends, essentially.
1: It's beautiful. Uh,
0: Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, uh, Robin, Robin looks like he's kind of coming on to Aquaman. Aquaman looks like he's kind of into it. Uh,
1: I heard something the other day, and I can't remember where I heard it, but it irritated the hell out of me. Somebody asserting that the only reason that Aquaman is in the top tier in the DC Universe, and the only reason that we so frequently see him like in the Justice League and stuff like that, is because of his stint back in the day on the Super Friends. Where did
0: I hear that, too? And I, I know know exactly call complete what you're talking about.
1: bullshit on that. Aquaman is in the top tier because he's king of three-quarters of the frickin' planet. And I'm tired of people being down on Aquaman. Aquaman's the shit. Back off. And that's all I got to say.
0: (laughs) But uh, basically, you you entered this contest, and the first prize was a uh, Clark will fly you and your family, limit of four people, to New York City. I always felt bad about those things and left out because we were a family of six growing up. So I always felt that we could never enter these types of contests. <laughs> uh, we'll take you on a tour of the DC Comics offices so an art- artist can draw you into an upcoming issue of your favorite DC comic book. You'll be part of the action right along with one of, your DC- with one of DC's famous comic book superheroes. Unfortunately, it was the odd man. Um, you'll have plenty of free time <laughs> in Gotham, too, for seeing the Statue of Liberty or taking boat rides or getting mugged. Or checking out a peep show, or looking at the tall buildings and just saying, wow, right before someone comes up and sticks a knife in your back and says, give me all your money.
1: Come on now. <laughs> That's funny, though. But did um, you notice that the the page that kicks this off, the Holy Taste Buds page, yeah. the hand smashing the Clark bar through the page is Dr. Doom.
0: Yes, because like I said, there was a Marvel and a DC version of this. Right. Um, Second prize, if you're one of the 22nd prize winners, you'll get your choice of famous superhero watches, Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Batman, or if your taste should happen to run to supervillains. Instead, the Joker watches are Swiss made and full color superhero pictures, and would normally sell for uh, twenty four dollars. If you're one of the one hundred prize third, if you're one of the one hundred, excuse me, third prize winners, we'll send you a year subscription to your favorite DC or Marvel comic book: The Incredible Hulk, Red Sonia, Thor, Green Lantern, Plastic Man, Captain America, Wonder Woman, Justice Society, Cool Ms. Marvel, you name it. Even little, little, yeah, they're going to give you a subscription to Little Lulu. I guess a book, a book neither one of them publishes. And then you, you have like uh, like little instant win games which are flashlights, super stickers, super kite, and zing wings, which are frisbees.
1: Beyond the uh the really nice art in this, the thing that I like the most is that nostalgic feeling that it takes me right back to of you know, when I had Migos as a kid, I didn't discriminate. My Migos all played together. So you could easily have an awesome superhero team that consisted of Superman, Batman, Robin, Spider-Man, the Hulk, and Captain Kirk. You know, all hanging out together. And ads like this are are the reason for that. As a kid, I, I really didn't have a concept. And it blows my mind that my children do. From a very early age, my children had a concept of who was a Marvel and who was a DC. It's one of the reasons that we all get a really big kick out of those YouTube videos of, uh, have you seen those? I'm a Marvel, I'm a DC. Yes. They're hilarious. They're absolutely hysterical. But I never had that concept as a kid because of ads just like this one where they all played nice and got along. And, And I love that. I really wish that we had gotten more. Uh, Marvel DC interaction over the years than what you know the the few ones we got I always thought were awesome I just wish there had been more of them.
0: Do Do you think some kids had like some early fl- slash fic going on with their Migos, though? Oh, because you could take those clothes off, you know.
1: Yeah, this is true. So. Well, my my guys often uh, you know exchange clothes and uniforms, and I had mix and match and, stuff <laughs> and bodily <like> that. fluids. <laughs> oh, you just <this> man. <laughs> You're not right.
0: Sure, you can crap on my childhood all you want. I start crapping on yours, and suddenly I'm the bad guy. You
1: are the bad guy.
0: Um, What
1: what do we got up next for keen advertisements here?
0: The DC Explosion Dollar Comics, showing off Superman Family and Adventure Comics. Yeah. there is Showcase presents the OSS Spies uh, uh, at War. And then the Dynamite Classics, number one, featuring Batman and Manhunter. And okay. uh, Battle Classics, number one, with Sergeant Rock, The Haunted Tank, and Johnny Cloud
1: together. This uh, we, Superman family, um, I'm pretty sure that this is one that I talked about over on Two True Freaks. See, in my copy, if this is the issue I'm thinking of, my copy is actually coverless. But I love this cover. It's... Uh, Pretty sure that's a Neil Adams cover on that one, and it's uh, Superboy fighting the uh, vacuum cleaner from Krypton. I love that one. All right, well, keep going.
0: Uh, we got the important notice: uh, another applications are now being taken for the following chapters of the DC Superstars Society. We've talked about that in a previous episode. uh, We've got uh, Did You Miss Any of These Fantastic DC Tabloids with Superman vs. Muhammad Ali, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, Superman vs. Shazam, Superman vs. Wonder Woman, the Batman Strange uh, Cases, the Welcome Back Kata tabloid, like, who cares, and Rudolph's Summer Fun.
1: Who cares? I think these should all be Superman vs. Superman vs. Welcome Back Cotter. I would love that.
0: Where he, one at a time, takes the sweat hogs and throws them into the sun.
1: See? Now you're catching on. I love it. I love it. Um, well, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm going to tip my hand if, if it hasn't already been tipped. We're going to talk about a, at least the three Superman verses that are on this, on this page. Mm-hmm. At some point, on this very show, we're going to talk about Superman versus Wonder Woman. And I cannot wait because I thumbed through that the other day. And uh, it just brought back this just rush of emotions and and childhood memories. And I love that book, and it's been so many years since I had peeked at it. And uh, either well, it'll it'll have to be on uh, back to the bins. But we will definitely be uh, eventually getting to both Superman versus Muhammad Ali and Superman versus Shazam, which I have not looked at either one of those in God knows how many years. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: All righty. I'm going to do this as quickly as possible because we are kind of running out of the time that we needed. But the last thing that I wanted to talk about in the comic was the Answer Man's Guide to the DC Explosion,
1: <laughs>
0: where Bob Rozakis breaks down where everyone is going to be. Now, there's no host to add this week, sadly, but uh, but this well, this will hopefully kind of make up for that. Okay, here is here were DC's plans for the DC Explosion of 1978. Airwave was going to appear in alternate issues of Action Comics. Alien Green Lanterns were going to appear in Green Lantern. The Amazons were going to be in Wonder Woman. The Atom was going to be alternating with Airwave in Action Comics. Batgirl was in Batman Family. Batman in his own magazine, Batman Family, Brave and the Bold Detective in World's Finest. Black Canary was going to be in World's Finest. Black Lightning still had his own magazine. Blackhawk was in upcoming issues of Men of War. Cinnamon, the Western character, uh, is a new Weird Western feature. The Creeper in World's Finest and a solo tryout in Showcase.
1: I would would just like to say, as as a reader, as someone who uh, has the whole run of Weird Western, I totally would have been down for Cinnamon in Weird Western. I wonder if that was going to follow up Scalp Hunter. That would have been good. That would have really been good. I'm sad that that didn't come to pass.
0: Dateline, Frontline, and Men of War, Dead Man in Adventure Comics, plus a one-shot in Showcase. Did the that Demon, happen uh, in the in Show- in the Adventure?
1: I know he does come to Adventure, but did the Showcase one hundred five? Does that have Dead Man in it? I, I need to find that out.
0: Yeah, uh, the Demon in Batman Family, Elongated Man in Adventure Comics, Enemy Ace in Men of War, Firestorm in his own magazine, the Flash in his own magazine, and in Adventure Comics. Gravedigger in Men of War, Green Arrow in Green Lantern, Green Arrow and World's Finest, Green Lantern in his own magazine and in Adventure, the original Green Lantern in Green Lantern, which we'll be talking about,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Haunted Tank in GI Combat, Hawkman in Detective Comics, the Human Target in Brave and the Bold, the Huntress leaving Batman Family after issue twenty for a series of showcase tryouts. I don't think that ever that happened. never happened. Um, Jimmy Olsen in Superman Family, Justice League of America in their own magazine, Justice Society of America in All-Star Comics, Commandy in his own magazine, Kid Flash in the issues of The Flash, and that never panned out, Crypto in Superman Family, uh, Lois Lane in Superman Family, uh, you know, those
1: crypto stories may not have been the most spectacular thing ever written, but the art was typically really good. I, I feel impelled to, to point that out.
0: I'll give you that. The Losers and Our Fighting Forces, Man-Bat and Batman Family, The Metal Men in Adventure Comics, Mr. and Mrs. Superman in Superman. That would actually end up being in Superman Family. Yes. The Man Called Neverwhere in Adventure the New Gods in Adventure, Nightwing and Flamebird and Superman Family, the Odd Man who was a companion for Shade, which is why I don't know who that is. Uh, Omac returning in Commandy, the OSS continuing in GI Combat with a tryout and showcase, the private life of Clark Kent in Superman, and the public life of Bruce Wayne in Batman. Did they ever do that?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you got me on that. I really don't remember.
0: The Rey, uh the Freedom Fighter, stands alone in Black Lightning, Robin in Batman Family, Scalp Hunter in Weird Western Tales, Sergeant Rock, Shade, uh, both in their own magazine, Shazam in World's Finest, Star Hunters in their own magazine, Steel in his own magazine, Superboy in Superman Family, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes in their own magazine, Super Friends in their own magazine, Supergirl in Superman Family, Superman in action, DC Comics Presents, Superman Family, World's Finest in his own magazine, Unknown Soldier in his own magazine, and finally, Wonder Woman in Adventure Comics and her own magazine.
1: Whew! That showcase stuff didn't ever happen. I'm looking at a CBR here. It says Showcase 105 Dead Man Unreleased Ashcan variant or version. Ah. And that story, judging strictly by the cover, I'm almost positive this story winds up in Adventure Comics because it shows a group of people gathered around a séance table and they're summoning the ghost of of Boston Brand. And it's not the same cover. But there is either a cover or part of a cover of an issue of Adventure that has that very thing on it of uh, of, of exactly that, just drawn a little bit differently. And then the the Huntress stuff never happened. Because I think Adventure went to that uh, digest size or, or even went into hiatus for a while right, after, right shortly after uh, 100, didn't it? I think so. Yeah. So never, never, never happened. But man, I, I love that list, though. I mean, it, yes, there's a lot of it did come to pass, but there's a lot of it that that we can only go. Oh man, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's a shame. That's really a shame. They sure had some some huge plans, some yeah. huge awesome plans. Sadly, never to be. uh. Okay, that wraps us up for this time. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Be sure to come back and join us next week. This issue, All Star Comics number 74, sadly the last issue, is reprinted in Justice Society Trade Paperback, volume two from 2000, what was it, seven, I think. Yes. Excellent.
0: Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Tales of the Justice Society of America, hosted by Scott H.
1: Gardner and Michael R. Bailey. If you like this show, check out Back to the Bins, where Mike and I talk about random back issues from the past. You can find that at www2 com.
0: Scott has another podcast that he hosts with his childhood friend and former personal masseuse and fry cook to Oprah Winfrey, Chris Honeywell, called Two True Freaks, which, like Tales and Back to the Bins, can be found at
1: www.2truefreaks.lipson.com. Mike has a few other podcasts that he either hosts or co-hosts because he loves the sound of his own voice as well. The first is Views from the Long Box, which is Mike's solo show and can be found at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. Then there's From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, which Mike hosts with Jeffrey Taylor, which can be found at both www.supermanhomepage.com and www.fortressofbailytude.com. Scott and I have gigantic egos, and we love to hear from the listeners. You can reach the show by writing to talesofthejsa at gmail.com.
0: Thanks for listening, and come back next week for another installment of the Tales of the Justice Society of America.